up, everybody? Welcome back to the Rest of Season Rankings Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Seifter, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Bart Wheeler. What's up, Bart? How are you? I'm good, Andrew. I um, I got to tell you, though, I still was feeling a little bit old yesterday. Um, I was uh, flipped, flipped the TV on, and it was still on, the, on ABC because we were watching the Oscars on Sunday night. And... Uh, <laughs> You know, yeah, sometimes you'll turn the TV on and it's still on whatever channel it was. And so you just start kind of watching what it was. And it was American Idol. <laughs> and uh, Oh, God. I hadn't watched that show like since, well, in a long time. And I, and I found out that they're on their 20th season. And there was a girl auditioning. And she said, my mom was on American Idol. And I was like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yikes. That's where we are. <laughs> I have to confess, I've never, I'm not, I'm not a big like reality show person or uh primetime tv person in general unless it's sports so yeah I, I same <laughs> watched very few episodes of american idol in my in my life but uh, i i do remember it existing a long time ago that probably before some of the players that we're uh, talk about today were even born so <laughs> yeah um but uh you know speaking of one such young player i do want to bring up yeah you know i was hyping o'neill cruz and i actually uh for fantasy pros, listed him as my sleeper of the year. Mm. Uh, players going outside of, I, I think it was like the top 120 hitters or something. I don't know. But um, anyway, he was sent down to the minors today. So that's a little bit sad. But womp, womp. Uh, I would still highly recommend drafting him. I still think, uh, you know, the Pirates are a small market team. So they're still playing the service time manipulation. The collective yep. bargaining agreement apparently did not weed that out enough for their taste. Uh, so he is getting sent down. They say he's going to work on uh, playing some corner outfield, which is only a good thing, you know, in terms of his long-term prospects of, of getting called up, you know, having that versatility uh, positionally is good. So I think it will be a few weeks, you know, late April, early May, we'll see O'Neill Cruz and just the, the speed and power combo that he presents is very enticing. So I, I would still recommend even in a redraft format, drafting and stashing if you can. Yeah. And his ADP is two thirty, So he's way beyond that one twenty mark you were saying. So yeah, drafting and stashing. I just, I hope that doesn't I hope that's not like a sign of other things to come for other teams. Like I hope Bobby Witt jr. Is still, you know, and your, your, your other guy, Spencer Torkelson, like I hope those guys still, you know, are starting on opening day rosters. Yeah, I've been following the Tiger situation pretty closely, and I think there's a, a pretty good chance we're going to see both Torkelson and Riley Green uh, break camp with the Tigers. I, yeah, they, They've kind of given indications consistently that that's uh, something that they will do if the players earn it on the field. So usually they don't want to get the, get these young guys' hopes up too much if, it's, if they're planning to play the service time game. Uh, so I think the Tigers kind of mean what they say, that – uh, that they will let those guys break camp if they deserve it. And honestly, they do. They both deserve it. And it's a team that wants to compete for the playoffs this season. So uh, I would be surprised, at, honestly, at this point, if both of those guys are not in the opening day lineup. Uh, Bobby Witt, I, I haven't followed that one as closely. I, I sort of am assuming that he will because he's so good. <laughs> but, <laughs> right. yeah, it is You know, it is another one of these small market squads. So we'll have to, we'll have to wait. You know, if you've got Bobby Witt in your keeper league or your dynasty league, or you already drafted your redraft team and you've got him, you'll just kind of have to hold your breath for these next couple of days because uh, these these news items are starting to drop uh, right now about uh, guys getting cut and uh, moving down to the minors. So we'll have to 
Well, that one will certainly be a big one if it if it happens that way. Well, luckily there's plenty but, of shortstops that you can plug in if if a guy like Bobby Witt or like your guy Neil Cruz are down. So, but um, why don't we talk about uh, or let true. the people know what we're talking about today? We're not talking about shortstops, are we? No, 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 no. We are talking about the most fickle of all positions, the relief pitchers, <laughs> <laughs> the saves chase, as it is known. Uh, this is going to be the final of our position preview series. Uh, so if you haven't listened to any of our past ones, now would be a great time to go back and check those out. Or if you just missed one, uh, they're all up at rosrankings.com, uh, or you can find them on Apple, on Spotify. Uh, so definitely check those out. There's a lot of good information in there. And uh, most of it, even though we started this a few weeks ago, most of that information is still uh, up to date and uh, going to be actionable for you when you're drafting your team uh, in the next week or so. Uh, but yes, relief pitchers, Bart. This is, I, you know, we 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 did this one last for a reason because <laughs> the, there's so much gray area with with these closer situations. You know, I for the last couple of years of fantasy pros have written. Um, the closer report over there. And yeah. so I know firsthand uh, how much these situations change all the time. <laughs> uh, and, you know, with the with what's happening with baseball nowadays, there's just fewer and fewer teams that even announce a closer going into the season. It's just, uh, I mean, it's smart from a real baseball perspective to, to use these guys in fireman roles where they'll sometimes pitch in the seventh inning, if uh, there's bases loaded and mm-hmm. two outs and they got to get out of a key jam, you know, they'll bring in their best reliever who's even if he is the quote unquote closer. So it's smart from a real life perspective, but for it makes our job a lot harder as fantasy analysts. Definitely. And I'll, I'll say just like, you know, to get into strategy a little bit, I mean, it's a little bit different than some of the other positions we've talked about. I was going back, I know in a previous episode, I talked about how I was looking at some notes from my 2016 draft. And back then for relief pitcher, it was get one of the top 18 and don't pay for saves. Those are kind of, those are kind of my rules. And I've always kind of not really paid for saves and I don't really, I'm I'm not going to draft these top tier guys. Probably we're going to talk about like in the top 50, but that top 18 to me is now like a top seven to 10, um, which is interesting that we're six years later or so from that time. and, And the landscape has changed that much, but that's kind of where I am. Like I kind of want to get one of these top seven to 10 guys. And then I'll just kind of piecemeal it together after that and see how the draft goes. Um, I probably would like to get another guy, you know, in my 11 to 20 range. And then maybe a couple more. And we'll, we'll talk about a lot of these different guys. But it, it also is league dependent. You know, we've talked about, we're going to talk about like categories, 5x5, five five, like traditional roto leagues. But in points leagues, you have these starting pitchers as relief pitchers who, you know, we can throw in. We've talked about on the starting pitcher episode. So there's a lot of different ways you can go. But... I guess we'll probably try to keep the focus on kind of your traditional leagues and talk more about some of the closers and where we, we where we rank those guys. Yeah, that's that's definitely what what I've been focusing on in my preparations for for this show. Um, I you know I'll go a little deeper than seven to ten. I, I I think there's a good twelve or thirteen guys at least that I'd be okay with. So, and I don't mind double dipping and get if I could get like two of those guys that I feel pretty confident in. I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, the whole not paying for saves thing, I totally get that. Um, that's sort of been uh, the, you know, a common mantra for many years going back. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I've always been, I differed from that a little bit just because uh, I, I don't usually 
you know, I'm not going to take a closer in like the third round or something like that. But uh, I do believe in the scarcity of, of the position and that there's just certain guys who, I mean, it's sort of like running backs uh, in football. You know, there's just, it's a coaching decision, really, how much yeah. value they have. It's not based on the talent alone. It's very much based on their usage by the coaching staff. So, um, you know, I think there's some some of these guys just because they are established proven veteran quote-unquote closers they're gonna have that ninth inning you know and and honestly it's sometimes less is more with closers like the guys that only pitch in the ninth like where the manager's like i'm not going to use them in the seventh or eighth like that's a good thing for fantasy you know Mm -hmm. so um i think some of these older guys that are more established uh have have that value just because like you know what you're getting more and uh so, you know, I've been willing and, – and the other thing is I do not like um, having to rely on, like, a closer f- that's, like, going to get destroyed. <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> right. I don't want to be so desperate for saves that I have to, like, roster the Rockies closer because that's always a bad idea. <laughs> and yeah, it's, if you if you really wait too long on, on saves, you're going to have to do that just to even compete in that category, and it's going to really kill your ratios, you know. Um, I mean, the relievers pitch a lot fewer innings than starters, so they don't generally have as big an impact on your ratios. But um, but if it's if they're getting blown up, they can, you know. They can do a lot of damage. Um, and also with the strikeouts, too. I really like the high strikeout guys. Like I said, I play in a lot of leagues that are um, inning cap leagues, so there's, like, uh, quality of inning is on a, a per inning basis is really important. So mm-hmm. I, I'm big on that K per nine. And there's some of these closers that can give you 15 Ks per nine or something like that, yeah. which is huge. I mean, like even if they only pitch 70 innings, they can strike out well over a hundred batters mm-hmm. uh, and maybe strike out as many batters as like a starting pitcher who isn't a big strikeout guy who's more of a soft tosser, you know? So, um, they can really move the needle there as well. And that's something you get when you are a little more aggressive in investing on closer. Well, the other know your league settings thing I wanted to mention was, you know, waivers, because as you know, writing that closer report as the season goes on and it'll happen early, you know, guys will come into that role role of closer and you'll be able to pick guys up, but everybody's going to want to try to pick those guys up. So um, just know your league. You know, if you're like in a, you have like a fab league, whether you're weekly or daily or, you know, like the continuous rolling, that kind of thing might be different from, you know, one versus the other. Like if you have to spend $50 of a $200 budget on a closer in April, that's very different from, you know, you just happen to be checking box scores or you see that a guy gets a save one night and you're like, oh man, maybe I'll go run out and pick him up. If you can do that, um, that's a, that's a very different thing. And I know like in my league, like the main league that I'm in, that's kind of how it works. Like people are kind of picking up like we have waivers, but once people clear waivers, you know, they're, they're free agents. So if you can do that, I, I like to kind of piecemeal together and I'm okay taking just two or three closers uh, here in the draft. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it's like personal preference, like how knowing yourself too, like how much effort do you want to put into that? Because yep. uh, if you're, if you don't have that foundation of a few locked in closers, like you're going to have to chase saves all season probably. Mm-hmm. And uh, that that takes a lot of effort, you know. Um, I personally love doing it, so I don't I don't mind. But some people, I feel like, want to get more uh, out of their draft than that, and more more security, I guess, out of their draft. 
Um, so maybe if, if you're one of, if you're like that, maybe you invest a little bit earlier. And then even the difference between daily waivers and weekly is pretty huge because sometimes uh, a new closer will emerge in like a West Coast game. Mm-hmm. And if your league is all people live on the East Coast, you know, that game's ending after midnight. So if, you know, if the people in your leagues have day jobs and, you know, <laughs> kids and got to get up in the morning and uh, aren't staying up until one in the morning every night watching the games, then they might not know uh, that that new closer emerged. So you might be able to uh, not have to have a full on fab bidding war in a daily uh, league. But in a weekly league, everyone, by the time the rosters, by the, unless it happens, you know, the night before that uh, the the waiver moves run, there's going to, everyone's going to have time to see that and everyone's going to have time to p- place their bids. And, you know, a lot of people with fab, it's the longer you have to think about it, the more you start hiking that number up, right? So yeah, <laughs> by the right. time the waiver is actually processed, somebody might have gone a little bit overboard uh, to buy those saves. I mean, it is a scarce category, so... Uh, when a clear closer emerges, there tends to be uh, some pretty huge. I've seen people bid well over half of their fab budget uh, to get a closer in April. So yeah, th- that's just the that's the world we live in here. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you want to go ahead and get into it? Let's let's see who we have at yeah. the top of the top of the list here. Who's your uh, Who's your number one? Well, I don't think I'll be breaking much ground here. You know, <laughs> I think there's there's a lot of consensus to me of, of a top two. Yeah. which would be Liam Hendricks and Josh Hader. Uh, most people I've seen would, would go with those two guys at the top. Uh, I personally do have them at the top, but I would argue that there's a couple other guys that I would put right there with them. So um, that's going to mean that I'm not going to draft them maybe as aggressively as, as I would otherwise, because I feel mm-hmm. like there's some other options who would go a little bit later that I'd be just about as happy with, maybe not quite, but close. And that's Razel Iglesias and Ryan Presley. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I, I put those four guys in a tier together, but I could see you, you making an argument it's really two separate tiers, but I just don't think it's a huge drop-off there. I think that's a good way to look at it, though, with closer, because as soon as someone takes Hader or Hendricks, the other will probably fall in that same round, and then maybe you can take a look at, do you want to get Iglesias if you really like him? Um, you, I know you're like me, like you don't necessarily want to get the guy at the top of the tier. That's the whole reason for making tiers. It's, it's best to kind of get the guy toward the bottom of the tier. So I like that. I actually have Emmanuel class a one spot higher than Presley. So I, I ranked them Hader, Hendricks, Iglesias, class a and Presley, but I, I did put Hader and Hendricks in a, a top tier, uh, like a sort of a tier of their own, but I, I kind of, I get your argument and I, you know, if you want to take like a Presley or Iglesias at the bottom of that tier, I'm okay with it. Yeah, I have Class A in a in a second tier by himself actually at number mm. five. So uh, the only reason I don't put him in that same group is well, there's two reasons. One is uh, the strikeout rate, which I always talk about. His is just not as impressive as those other uh, four, at least so far. Uh, he's right. got the stuff to boost it, but again, you know, it's like we talked about with starting pitchers. It's projecting versus like have they actually done it and. Mm-hmm. Uh, with him, you know, his strikeout rate was still over a batter an inning, but it wasn't like in the double-digit K per nine territory like these other guys can do. So uh, so that's one knock. And then I do worry about that Guardians team. I just, you know, $900,000 on free agents this offseason. <laughs> uh, they're really – they're sort of lacking um, uh, hitting, I feel like. Um, and I'm, I'm a little concerned 
about that. So I don't know if that affects his save totals a little bit. I mean, it's not a markedly worse situation than Iglesias has with the Angels, I suppose. But, uh, you know, with Hendricks and uh, and Hayter and Presley, I think you're going to see a lot of save chances. So uh, just, just something to keep in mind there. But for me, he's definitely in that top five. I just... Uh, you know, he last year at this time, like James Karinchak was considered like the front runner over Class A. So yep. I just think for that reason too, like they have a logical other guy who could like step in if Class A like struggles or something like that. Whereas like I just don't, I don't really see that happening very much with these other guys who have been closers for multiple years. Yeah, and uh, well, you mentioning that just kind of made me think. Another kind of good point I'll uh, bring up is. You don't really, you know, in, in football, you mentioned running backs, and um, you often will draft the backup, right? People use the term handcuff. I know people don't really like that term anymore, but you draft, you know, you draft the backup. And here, if you draft Josh Hader, I mean, I don't hate if you want to draft Devin Williams, like with one of your, you know, picks toward the late rounds, because he has that upside, much like a Tony Pollard behind Zeke, to just break out and be an RB one, or in this case, a top five closer if Hader were to miss time. So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think those lights out uh, setup men are worth rostering in a lot of formats anyway, just because of the the K rate, the ratio help, mm-hmm. uh, and like you said, that handcuff value as well. So I didn't realize handcuff was such a dirty word. I, it's, I mean, it sounds like sort of a dirty word, I guess, now that I think about it. But. <laughs> I don't know if it's a, yeah, I think, it, you know, there's a lot like there's in this politically correct world we live in now, there's things that, you know, you say and it's like, wow, okay, I didn't really think of that as being a bad thing to say. But, you know, just like, uh, you know, a lot of people, like when you talk about being a fantasy manager versus a fantasy owner, people don't like the, you know, people to kind of use the word owner anymore. So I've tried to drop some of that language. That one I get, but what's the, what's the argument against handcuffing? I don't know. I mean, I guess it has, I mean, maybe it's along the same lines. Is that? (laughs) It could be. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to study up on that one a little more, Barn. Yeah. (laughs) I guess I'm behind the times. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, who do you like better, uh, so Hader or or Hendricks? Uh, let's, let's, let's uh, I do have there. I do have Hendricks first. Uh, okay. And the main reason is just because Hader walks a lot of guys, um, yeah. and Hendricks doesn't. I love. There's nothing I love more than a pristine K to walk ratio, and <laughs> Liam Hendricks really has that. Uh, you know, Josh Hader can be extremely dominant, but he does. That is kind of the one, the one knock on him, I would say. So. I, I yeah. feel pretty confident putting Hendricks ahead of Hader for that reason. Yeah, I mean Hader has limited home runs a little bit better, but yeah, that the the whip for Hendricks is going to be better. I, I think the one thing I just keep looking at is Craig Kimbrell is still there, and again, he's a setup guy. I'm not worried about him taking the job, but he is like he's a really good you know closer himself. Um, I think by the time we post this podcast, we could see Kent, Craig Kimbrell go somewhere else. So I think I'm sure they're still trying to kind of shop him, but. Um, you know, Kimbrell's a, a guy that was kind of hard for me to rank just because there's been all this talk all off season, like he's going to go somewhere and he hasn't yet. So I don't know if that's like saying something about Hendricks, but I mean, probably not. I think they just haven't found the right, you know, suitor for Kimbrell. Yeah. I don't even know if they're trying to shop him, to be honest with you. I, I, I think obviously if they were offered something that they really needed, uh, that might appeal to them, but I mean, the White Sox are, they have money to spend that, mm-hmm. you know, they are a contender have, they know that Kimbrell is 
one of the best, if not the best setup man that you could possibly have. Uh, I, a lot, you know, I think sometimes teams want to have that dominant bullpen where they can basically, if they have a lead after the sixth inning, like the game's over, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know if, I think it might be more part of their plan to hold on to Kimbrel. I'm not sure they yeah, could be. Are, I haven't seen any evidence that they like have been actively shopping him or anything like that. So I think, you know, it's frustrating for, you know, people that have Kimbrel in a dynasty league, I guess, or something <laughs> like that. But, uh, but really it's just, it is what it is. I think he belongs right there with like Devin Williams as these really strong setup men to have for that, handcuff i said it again that handcuff value but <laughs> uh but yeah i you know i think um his, I, I don't expect him to take take the job from hendrick certainly and i also nah. am not really expecting him to get traded uh to a situation where he'll be closing well you mentioned uh ryan presley i i like i said i also have him at five i think it's interesting to see that like his numbers got so much better when he came over to houston if you look at like his k rate he, he was never even like a a nine, you know, K per nine. And then now he's all the way up 11, 12 Ks per nine. So he's, he's become like kind of this top elite option for a really good team. He had 26 saves last year. Um, I think you said you kind of had him at the bottom of this tier. I'm, I'm kind of with you now that I'm thinking about it. Like I wouldn't mind having him if Hader and Hendricks are going in round three or four and then you get Presley. Uh, let's see. He's going around pick 80. So those other guys are going like round three, round four, and you can get, Presley, like, way, way late, you know, much later. Yeah, and, you know, I, I mean, he doesn't quite have the strikeout rate that Hayter and Hendricks have, but it's still pretty good. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, that, that 11, 12K per nine is is, is going to move the needle for you compared to most pitchers, so I'm not sweating that too much. I mean, honestly, like, you compare him, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't really compare him to Hendricks because he's got the the great walk rate too. But you compare him to Hader. I mean, Hader walks three or four batters per nine, and Presley last season was at one point eight three walks per nine. So mm-hmm. I actually can see an argument that Presley could be better than Hader this season. I mean, Hader has the strikeouts edge, and but I mean his that one twenty three ERA that Hader had last season. I, I mean, you said he suppresses home runs well. He did last year, but. He didn't really the two previous seasons, so I don't. I'm not sure that's a skill as much as just some noise in his profile, mm-hmm. you know. So the more I think about it, I I do feel pretty confident putting Presley and Iglesias in the same tier with Hater at least. Maybe maybe I should put Hendricks in his own tier by himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, talking um, yourself into that because Iglesias too, man. He's another guy with just a great strikeout to walk ratio: thirteen point two four K per nine, one point five four walk per nine last season you know he had some like bad luck honestly early in the season so his like numbers were kind of out of whack but I was like all I I had him last season and I never wavered I never lost faith because I saw that strikeout to walk ratio I knew his other numbers were going to normalize and sure enough they did you know I mean he's just and I believe they said they're only going to use him in the ninth this season, which is great because he's one of those guys that back in his Cincinnati days, you know, there was some weird usage that happened. So he didn't get every single save chance back in the day. But right. I don't think that's an issue anymore. But every year he's been like the closer or even even in those days, he's had tw- at least 28 saves in every full season that he's had that role. And like like you said, the strikeout rate is great. He's There aren't 
there aren't going to be a ton of guys we talk about today who have that true closer role to themselves. And I agree. He's he's my number three guy. I have him right after those first two. He's been he's been good coming over, you know, to LA. And I've already kind of talked about on other podcasts. I kind of like the Angels this year a little bit at that four to one to win the division. I think they're going to win a few more games. Getting Syndergaard over there, getting uh, you know, Rendon and Trout healthy. So I like the Angels a little mm-hmm. bit more this year, and so I think he might get you know a few more save opportunities even. Yeah, so, yeah. No, I think I and he's just. I mean, he has a sub three ERA in five of the last six seasons. Like, that's just some real consistency that you love to see. Uh, so I feel like he's one of the safest closers as well as one of the highest upside. Yeah. So after him, my number six, I actually have Edwin Diaz. And, you know, that's another team that kind of got better. They they brought over Chris Bassett, got Max Scherzer. So their rotation's getting better. Another guy, like their lineup, they got Starling Marte. I feel like, you know, the Mets spent some money this offseason. And maybe their line their lineup and their, their uh, rotation's a little bit better. So he could see some more opportunities. I mean, he had 57 saves in that 2018 uh, season. So we've seen him be a dominant closer. And, of course, he's had some shakiness. Uh, he, uh, let's see, he, yeah, he gave up a ton of home runs in 2019. That really plagued him. Um, but he still has the role. Uh, I, I like Edwin Diaz. I think of, of the guys who were outside of that top five, four or five com- uh, conversation, I think he's someone who, having that huge season in 2018, I could see him having a huge season and be like a top two or three closer. I could see it. I could also see him having some hiccups though, because he's he's had some hiccups. I, I I put this as a tier of three, and I think they're all similar. It's Kenley Jansen, who I actually have at six, Diaz and Araldis Chapman, and they've all been like the best closer in baseball. It's at various points. They've all had very successful and long careers. Uh, they all post really good strikeout rates. They all play for pretty good teams. Um, this, you know, they're they're all clearly the guy uh, going into the season. I mean, that they, they were brought in to their respective teams to be the guy. They're being paid like the guy. They're going to be the guy, unless they implode. And you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I I I mean, Jansen is to me the one that's least likely to implode, and that's why I have him the highest. Like I I think if you look at his resume, he he hasn't really imploded the way the other two have as much. Um, I do think there's been a little bit of skills decline compared to earlier in his career when he was completely dominant. But, um, you know, he still has, a, he still misses a ton of bats. I just, his walk rate has gone on, gone up a little bit the last couple of years. And that makes me a little more nervous about him. Um, but I still, when I compare him to, to Diaz, I mean, Diaz has had some, some real ups and downs and, you know, he's a guy that's always had the walk issue. So, He's kind of always had to walk that tightrope a little bit. And the key for him is like avoiding home runs because the years that he avoids home runs, he has great numbers. The years that he doesn't, (laughs) things can go south. I mean, in 2019, he gave up a ton of home runs and his ERA was 559. So that's kind of the scary part with Diaz. I mean, last year he might have been a little unlucky to have that 345 ERA. He actually pitched pretty well overall. So, uh, you know, I like I like Diaz. I like the upside for sure, but I just to me this tier is a little bit erratic. I think it's interesting you like uh, Jansen the best out of that. I, I like that you make like you made like this little erratic group because I think it makes a lot of sense. But 
I think it's interesting you have Jansen at the top of it, only because, I mean, I know they brought him in, but they have Will Smith there. And when I look at, you know, Diaz and who's behind him, like maybe they could throw like Seth Lugo in there to get some saves again. Trevor um, May. Trevor yeah. May. You know, Chad Green could come in and, and you know, throw the ninth. We've seen him do it uh, for the Yankees. But, you know, Will and Jonathan Smith. Jonathan Loiza actually got some saves last year Yeah, for the Yankees. Yeah, he was a good setup guy. I think he got a lot of holds. Um, I, one thing I thought was interesting today, you know, I like to look at the, the um, like DraftKings. I was looking at BetMGM today to look at saves. I finally f- found a saves uh, category here. And I thought what was interesting was, and maybe they just haven't adjusted, but they have Kenley Jansen at 20 to 1 to lead the league in saves. They still have Will Smith at 16 to 1. How do they figure that? Wow. <laughs> like, I have no that idea. That doesn't make any sense. And I'm looking at the top guys. They've got Chapman, Diaz, Iglesias, Presley, Class A, Hendricks, Hayter. And then they have Will Smith and Jansen's like a little bit behind him. And I thought that was really interesting that that line was set. Now, maybe it's a mistake. Maybe they just haven't updated it. Maybe they're just hoping people will throw some money on Will Smith and not realize. I don't know. But I, I think Will Smith's a very good pitcher, and he you know, he, he did well in that role last year. So of the imploding guys, I might even put Jansen at the bottom of it. But I like Diaz the best out of those two if I'm comparing Jansen and, and Diaz. Well, I just don't – I mean, Jansen just hasn't imploded really, though. You know, And, like, why would the Braves go out and give him $16 million if they – didn't want him to close. It's just not a good use of resources, you know? Um, yeah. I So I, I there was no one pushing them to do that. They just, they chose to do that. They wanted to do that. You know, um, Smith is, I, I just, he's good, but he's a little bit shaky. He's also a lefty. So, you know, sometimes teams don't, they, they might rather use him uh, to face left-handed hitters more strategically, you know? Um, yeah. There's a lot of reasons for this. I just, Kenley Jansen is, has been one of the top closers of the last decade. So I don't think a contending team that has, well, defending champion team <laughs> would uh, go out and spend $16 million on Kenley Jansen if they didn't want him to be their closer. So uh, I think it would take an extended run of poor performances by him to lose the job. I, I actually think uh, Chapman and Diaz might have a shorter leash just because they have <laughs> had some bumps in the road uh, with with their current teams and they're, they have had to turn to other guys for, for brief stretches in the past. So I don't know. We'll have to see about that one. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I big picture. I do feel like there is kind of a drop off. You, you know, we can debate class a where he fits in the, but I feel like that top four I mentioned, there's like a pretty significant drop from them to this group, just because there is a little bit more risk uh, of them potentially losing the gig at some point. Yeah, and uh, you know, I I do have Chapman at the bottom of that tier. I was just kind of playing devil's advocate there with Jansen, but I do have Chapman at the bottom of those three, and act, that's where my next tier starts. Really, for that reason of kind of his what we've seen some erratic, you know, pitching from him. And but I, I have Chapman at eight. And what's interesting is I think he'll get a little overdrafted. We've talked about other Yankees who tend to kind of get overdrafted. Chapman right now his ADP is eighty-seven, Diaz eighty-nine, Jansen ninety-six. So that's the order that they're being drafted. And the next guy in ADP, and that's where I have number nine, uh, Jordan Romano, for me. And, I mean, this, you know, to me this comes down to Toronto's the favorite, you know, to win the AL East. They have a really high expected win total. I think Romano's going to be in that, you know, be in that closer role. This is one of, like, the few guys, as we start getting past this, there start to be even more question marks. And I think he'll carry, you know, that true closer role. 
into 2022. He performed well in that role last year. I think he'll get a healthy amount of save opportunities. So I like Jordan Romano playing for that really good Toronto team at number nine. Yeah, I actually have him in the same spot there, um, and I agree. I, I, I just they haven't formally named him as their closer, but they didn't go out and get any other reliever that would represent a major challenge to his role. And you know, he had a two fourteen ERA, one hundred five WHIP, twelve point one four K per nine, and twenty three saves last season for the Blue Jays. So he didn't give them any reason to to go out and get someone else. And uh, so yeah, I mean. Maybe he doesn't see every single save. I think I think now we're already at the point where we're talking about guys who may not see every single save for their teams, you know? Because as much as Jansen, Diaz, and Chapman are erratic, the one thing I can say is that they also are, like, big names in, in the saves game. So mm-hmm. those guys should see every single save while they're the closers. But when you get to a guy like Romano, he just doesn't have that same stature. So... You know, it wouldn't shock me if they decide to go in a different direction on uh, on an individual basis here and there. But he's going to be their main closer, and I think he's going to be really strong in the role. Um, I just, I to me, there's like a kind of group of guys that I put in this category. So this is like a pretty logical tier for me. They're guys who I think have good stuff um, and can be successful. They just might not see every single save, and that's. Romano, Giovanni Gallegos with the Cardinals, Taylor Rogers with the Twins, Jake McGee, who was just named the closer by Gabe Kapler in San Francisco, but I, I never really trust Gabe Kapler. <laughs> I miss much that with closers. Yeah, I yeah, that's that. bra- that's bra- recent news. Um, oh my gosh! And then Blake Trinan. <laughs> okay, well, you better move him up. Uh, and then Blake Trinan with the Dodgers as well. Uh, they have kind of said Dave Roberts has sort of suggested he's going to go with a committee, but I think Trinan is kind of at the top of that committee. So, and it's obviously a, a, a team that should be creating a lot of safe chances. So, uh, so and he was a dominant closer back in his Oakland days. So, uh, I believe in in the pitcher as well. So, I, you know, this is a tier that I don't mind investing in at all. I think this, these guys could represent some pretty good value. Yeah, I I have. I have Romano, Trinan, Gallegos, and Rogers in this exact same tier, um, and maybe I need to consider McGee. Um, but yeah, like like you said, I'm, I'm not. I don't really trust the Giants uh, there. I feel like they'll have like seven different guys get close, you know, get saves, just like the the Rays. But with Trinan, although McGee um, did have 31 saves last year, he I'll did just throw that out there. Yeah, <laughs> he did. He had a lot of opportunities. That's a lot. <laughs> he did. He did. Yeah, he did. Um, I think this this tier, you know, it's a good one, but this is exactly why at the top of the show I said kind of 7 to 10 was where I want to get my my number 1 RP cuz yeah, we're already kind of getting after like 10, 11, 12 here and we're talking about guys who you know, aren't the same aren't in the same tier like we just talked about Jansen Diaz, uh, Chapman those guys. So, yeah, trying and I you know, Daniel Hudson has gotten some saves before. Uh, he's he's there. So I think, you know, we could see Trinan come in in the 7th or 8th and, and be that role sometimes, and then Daniel Hudson or someone else comes in and, and get some saves. Uh, with Gallegos, um, you know, they they have some other guys. Was it was Alex Reyes in there uh, last year, and he kind of faltered? Well, he's hurt now, think. I think, yeah. Was was he was he their guy? And then they have Jordan Hicks. I think Jordan Hicks uh, could, is the main could get some saves. guy that could threaten, and, uh, yeah, that could threaten Gallegos. I think they wanted to stretch Reyes out to be a starter, and then he's dealing with some arm issues, so... He's kind of out of the picture at this point, I think. But um, okay. well, that's good. But Hicks was the former closer, and he's 
had a long road to recovery, but he looks to be starting to get back into uh, pitching shape uh, at this point. So that will be that'll be worth watching. But I, I do think Gallegos has a pretty uh, big head start on Hicks <laughs> at this point, and uh, and I believe in the pitcher. So I, I don't think he's gonna give them much reason to stray from him. But yeah, I, I agree. I don't I don't think he's necessarily going to get every single save. You know, Oliver Marmal, their manager, has pretty much said as much. Like he doesn't he doesn't plan to name a set closer. So that's just that's just something that you have to live with. But I I like this tier. I don't know. I that's what, kind of where I differ with you because I don't mind these guys that I think can get like 75, 80% of the save chances while also putting up great ratios and strikeouts. Like mm-hmm. I don't mind having like investing heavily in, in the, those kind of pitchers if the draft cost is a lot lower, you know, rather than paying up premium price for the name brand guys like Chapman who had, you know, like a walk rate of like over six batters per nine last year. It's like a little bit scary that they could just completely implode. Like I don't think this tier of guys are going to implode. I think they're good pitchers. Yeah, and Taylor Rogers, we saw him have 30 saves in 2019. He had nine each of the last two years. Of course, the 2020 was a shortened year anyway, but his strikeout rate went from 11 to 13 last year. So you like to see that. And yeah, he's, a, he's had a, a really good whip before. Uh, he's had a whip of around so 0. 0.95, 1.00. It was 1.5 in that just 20 innings in 2020, but then last year got back down to 1.14. So yeah, he's going to keep your ratios down. Even if he only gets 15 or 20 saves, that's still fine. Um, but he has that potential. He could get 30 or 35 if, you know, but he's another just le- like a lefty where I think they'll probably use him in some situations, bring him in in the eighth and kind of play that game. Yeah. I mean, that's, that is kind of what they did last year, but um, I feel like their bullpen's worse though. Now <laughs> they just don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. They don't really have a lot of other good arms. So maybe he gets a few more saves than he did last year. I would, I would expect so, but yeah, I mean, his peripherals suggested he was even better than those surface numbers last year suggest. I mean, his, K per not, or his K to walk ratio was fifth best among all pitchers who threw at least 40 innings. Uh, and his ERA indicators suggested his ERA should have been in the low to mid twos rather than 335. So, I, you know, as good as he was last year, I actually think he's even better than that. Um, so, yeah, I do like him a lot as well. Uh, and then I mentioned McGee. I mean, 31 saves in a 272 ERA last year. So, you know, he did it last season, even though, like, he was never really – seen as like the guy, the full-time closer. Uh, and as much as I, you know, I feel like half of my column, my closer report column was like making fun of Gabe Kapler and how he never can settle on a closer and he just lies to us and we can't trust him. <laughs> but I mean, Tate McGee, 31 saves. So maybe, maybe uh, Kapler has changed his tune a little bit. I mean, he didn't have to come out and say it, but he came out and said that McGee's his closer as of right now. So, uh, you know, for all those people that were excited about Camillo Duvall and Tyler Rogers, the you know <laughs> soft tossing side armor, uh, <laughs> I you know it, it does look like McGee is going to be the closer going into the season. How long that lasts, we'll have to see. But um, you know, he's a pretty good pitcher, and you know he got out of Colorado, which always helps. So <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I think he's a sneaky option, and you know especially for you know since it's late breaking news, there could be people in your draft who just aren't aware of that news or you know he's probably buried in the pre-draft rankings so he he could be a solid closer you can get really late 
Yeah, I wasn't aware of the news. I got to tell you. So Duvall, I had him at 18. So now what I'll probably do is put McGee somewhere around. I might hedge my bet a little bit. I don't think I'll have McGee in my top 12. It sounded like you had him around 12 or 13. I'll probably put him around 20 and then put Duvall around 24, 25. I think I think both guys could have value. Um, I don't know that McGee is going to – because we saw Duvall. I think McGee got hurt toward the end of the last year, and then Duvall came in. And, you know, I, I, a lot of people thought he would be at the head of that committee this year because um, he looked good toward the end of last season. But it was just 27 innings, and maybe McGee is the guy. So we'll see. Um, I'll have to adjust my rankings there. Uh, I have another tier uh, drop here after these guys who you just talked about. Um, Same. And I've, I've got a handful of these – Sparps, so starting pitchers as relief pitchers. And we can gloss over them since we talked about them in the starting pitcher episode, but I've got Ranger Suarez, Michael Kopech, and Tanner Houck. And I don't I don't know how high you have those guys, and it's going to depend on your format, but if you're in a points league, you probably need to have these guys even higher than this. But I would kind of put them after this tier of guys that I'm, where I start getting into a lot more question marks, more committees. I might consider taking a, a Ranger Suarez, who I know we disagreed a little bit on on the starting pitcher episode, but... I like him a lot, and I think mm. I would go ahead and, and take him here. That's fair enough. I, you know, I think that's really format dependent. How much value guys like that have, like whether it's really that important that he has relief pitcher eligibility or not. I, like, I think that comes down to uh, just the the rules of your league. I mean, if you're in a league with no innings cap and weekly lineups then yeah, that's valuable because you're you can get a starter in a relief pitcher role, you know. Um, but if you are in a daily lineups league with an innings cap, then the fact that he has relief pitcher eligibility is completely worthless. It does nothing for you. So it just really depends on your format yeah. whether that matters or not. Um, I didn't actually rank those guys. I only dealt with actual relievers. So. Um, I stuck with those guys just in my in my starting pitcher rank, so I haven't really uh, thought about where they would rank relative to these relievers. I'll, I'll decide that when we post our overall rankings up at rrsrankings.com, plug, plug, uh, which, will, which will be uh, tomorrow night, Wednesday night, or Thursday morning. That should be yeah. up on the site, so um, you'll get to see where Bart and I uh, – what we think about over 300 players uh, relative values to each other, so – that will be coming soon, but um, but yeah, you know, I, uh, I I can't really argue with your your ranking there. I do agree that there's a uh, another drop off in terms of the closer candidates at this point, and then it get, it, it's it's a tier that I I haven't read, and that's like a red <laughs> alert because it's just like a little bit uh, dicey what's going to happen with this next group of guys. But I do think they're guys that could be could be valuable. It's just uh, it's just a little riskier, so. Well, tell us. Um, Don't I can keep go me in suspense. That Who do you team. have? Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it's Corey Knebel uh, with yeah. the Phillies. Scott Barlow of the Royals. Matt Barnes of mm-hmm. my, my Red Sox. Yep. Uh, Mark Melanson of the Diamondbacks. Cole Sulser of the Orioles. Whoa. David Bednar of the Pirates. And Lou Trevino of the A's. You got um, an O up so here. I, I do. Well, I actually really like Cole Sulser. And, you know, the thing that really bumped him up for me was that uh, they started stretching Tyler Wells out to be either a starter or, or a long reliever because he was the main rival to Salser for the ninth. So uh, I just I think that choice to, to do that, and now I think Wells is also um, a little bit hurt at the moment too. But 
Uh, just the fact that they chose to do that really opened the door for Sulcer uh, to serve as the Orioles' main closer. And I'm not going to sweat the fact that it's the Orioles that you know that they're, they're not going to win a ton of games. I mean, even bad, even closers on bad teams can get saves. So they that can. to me is a little bit overblown. And like he's a good pitcher. I mean, he posted a 2.70 ERA, 1.12 WHIP, 10.37 K per nine last year. I mean, those numbers will play. Uh, the walk rate can be a little scary at times, but uh, I think he's he could be a solid closer. And he's and because he's on the Orioles, nobody's going to really want to draft him. Yeah. So I think I heard something with I was listening to the CBS podcast the other day, and they said something about Brandon Hyde maybe hasn't had a closer with more than 10, 10 saves in a season or something. So I'd have to fact check that one, but it, it, it sounds right. And some of that is because the team's bad. Um, but looking at Cole Sulzer, I mean, he's 32 years old. He hasn't even pitched 100 innings in the majors. He did have a solid season last year. I'll give you that. But I'm just like, so he threw 63 innings. You know, in the 2020 season, his ERA was 5.56 in 22 innings. He did have five saves in 19 appearances uh, even then. So maybe they are looking to him as more of that guy who can who can be the closer. How many opportunities he'll get, we'll see. Uh, I, I have him much further down, and it's not just my pessimistic outlook for Baltimore. Um, I also just think I have some other guys who I'm a little more excited about up here. Some younger guys, some guys for better teams, that kind of thing. All right, well, I'll stick up for your Orioles get, then if you won't. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I just think I think he's he's the leading contender to be, you know, he did pick up eight saves last year. I would guess he at least gets 15 or so this season and probably more. And I just, if he can do that with solid ratios and strikeouts, like that's, that's valuable. I just, you know, I, I think we're at this point already where you're not, you're out of sure things, you know what I mean? So <laughs> yeah, um, I'll take a pitcher who actually was good last season and looks to not have a lot of competition for the role. I mean, they just don't, they just don't have a lot of other great relievers in that bullpen. Well, I'm with you on Corey Knebel um, for the Phillies. You know, Girardi doesn't always stick to one closer, but I think if he had a guy like this, you know, he had a Knebel had a great season in 2017 in Milwaukee, uh, and then his 2019 was cut short. What ended up leading to Tommy John surgery. Surgery. So he's he's been on the way back from that. He put up very good numbers with the Dodgers uh, last year. He should. I think he'll have the opportunity again. You know, he's pretty far removed from Tommy John. You know, we've talked about talked about a lot of guys on the Starting Pitcher podcast who are just like, you know, like the Clevengers and Verlanders and those folks um, who are, you know, like re- really quickly coming off it or just more recently. Uh, Corey Knebel's pretty far removed, so I'm kind of not worried, worried about the re-injury as much. And I'm looking at him as a guy who could, you know, get plenty of saves for that team. And then I, I also have Mark Melanson right there at 14, um, he led the, the majors in saves last year. Um, it was with the Padres, and he's with the <laughs> Diamondbacks now. Um, but he should have the job to himself, and so I don't see anyone really pushing it. You know, pushing him for it. He'll be in that role. Um, I think it does kind of make sense now that I think about it to put him with Solzer in a similar area. But we've just seen Melanson do it, you know, a lot. So I would trust him to to get a lot of a lot of saves or at least the opportunity. So. I agree. I have Knebel and Melanson right there around the 13-14 area for closers. Yeah, I mean, I have Melanson one spot ahead of Solcer to be clear, but I mean, the the difference is like Solcer's going to help your ratios. Like I don't think Melanson really is. I mean, he's yeah. he's not a good strikeout guy. He's not a good whip guy either. 
So, and you know, really the only thing going for him is that he is clearly the closer, but, and he's not like, you know, he's not going to get completely destroyed. Like he, he's a, he's gotten the job done over the years. Like he'll probably have an ERA of like 350 to 380 or something like that. You know, like he won't get completely just bombed out of the building, but, um, but he's not going to strike the guys out. He's not going to, his whip will probably be like over 130 and, uh, and it's the Diamondbacks, so it's he's got the same issue Sulcer has there in terms of just probably not seeing a lot of save chances. Um, so that's why, to me, it's like a, the choice between Melanson and Sulcer, and Sulcer is really a choice between what do you value more, like job security or like a, or like helpful peripherals, like strikeouts and whip, you know? Because I think Sulcer is more apt to be able to do that than Melanson. So it's just kind of like deciding which you prioritize and because of how hard saves are to find i do have melanson like one spot ahead but i like i said it's it's kind of a trade-off well Uh, with canable i did want to bring up one thing though which is they have a lot of good relievers in their bullpen so that's the scary thing with canable because brad they've got jose alvarado they've got brad hand they've got uris familia they've got sir anthony dominguez all of these guys have closed games before so uh you know, it, it's kind of like back when Philly had Hector Neris, it was the same sort of thing. It's like it, he he can be good if he can hold on to the role, but if he slips up, like there's going to be plenty of other ways they can turn there. The the Phillies, you know, you just named off all those guys, and I'm thinking they also signed Castellanos, they signed Schwarber. They just seem like a fantasy manager who's like, I hey, I you know, I, I know this guy. I'm gonna get him. I'm gonna get him, and then just spend some money and see see what happens. I, I wonder if the Phillies are actually gonna be any good or not, you know, with this, this, uh, this group, you know, this bullpen, cause they've had some bullpen issues. I think even, even last year, some of the, some of the guys had trouble getting wins cause the bullpen, you know, kind of blew up those spots. So we'll see. But you're yeah. right. They do have some good, so maybe that's why they brought in all those guys. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, <laughs> then you mentioned Scott Barlow, right? Or am I yep, getting the right I've Barlow? Okay. Yep. Scott. Yep. I've got yep. him at 15. So right behind yep. Knable. And I've got him at 19, same area, because I mentioned those Sparps. So I have Scott Barlow next as well. Um, yeah, he only gave up four home runs in 71 appearances last year, which is nice. <laughs> you know, that helped him, you know, have a career-low ERA of 2.42. Uh, his expected numbers are much higher. He's never had a whip below 1.20. So I don't think his ratios are ne- necessarily going to be, you know, as good. And, um, you know, the team is kind of average, I would say, but... I think, you know, this is where we are with closers after the top 15 or so. Um, we're, we're getting into guys that, that we're just projecting that they're the guy that they could get you 20 to 25 saves, which is a lot of saves in the in the landscape of closers now. Yeah, I mean, I like the fact that his K per nine has been over 11 for three seasons in a row. Like, yeah. that's nice to see. But I agree. I mean, he's definitely due for some regression probably see his ERA jump into that 350 to four range, I would guess. Yeah. Uh, I mean, last year's home run to fly ball rate allowed was only 5.7%, which is really low. So I would expect him to give up some more home runs this year, have the ERA jump up a bit. But uh, as long as it's not so extreme that he loses his grip on the roll, then I think he'll be a serviceable closer. So where do you have the other Barlow? Because I have him right after. And I don't know if I just did that because I was like, oh, I'll just put him here too. But it kind of made sense to me for for Texas. Uh, you know, he got the roll down the stretch and converted eleven saves. Um, the Rangers spent a lot of money this offseason too, so I think like, but not really. You know, if I'm looking at their bullpen, 
it was more like you know getting the Corey Seegers and some some different folks uh, who they get John Gray you know in the rotation so they spent some money but I'm, I'm trying to pull up and see like what his competition would actually look like I feel like he'll he'll probably you know have the role there which at this point mm-hmm. in my rankings that's kind of what I'm looking for the, the names behind him I mean I think Jose LeClerc did throw a bullpen session uh, I saw something about him and I know Greg Holland's had some saves before I don't know who the heck Spencer Patton is sorry man um, I don't keep up with the or how to though. pronounce Sabors. Uh, <laughs> what was that? Yeah, There's a, they have another pitcher whose last name is S B O R Z. So if you can pronounce okay. that, you win a cookie. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I mean, I I have Joe Barlow at twenty two. Um, so in a, in the next next tier down, um, okay. and the main reason for that is just because he, his strikeout rate wasn't really that great last year, and uh, you know his his ERA was t- seemed pretty flukish to me. I mean, the BABIP allowed was 143, which is just absurdly low. So, mm-hmm. uh, I you know, I definitely expect some regression. I just don't see um, – I mean, none of these guys, I guess, have that much job security. But even with that, I agree the rest of that bullpen's terrible. But, uh, I mean, it's Joe Barlow. So, it's like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> he doesn't – if he struggles, they'll try somebody else. You know, they're not, they're not going to yeah. have any loyalty to him. Um, so, uh, and you know, should, should be a pretty, I mean, I guess they're trying to compete this year. I still don't expect them to, you know, be a, a top tier team uh, or anything like that. So, um, you know, I, 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 it's not a huge difference, but I just, the guys I mentioned earlier, I like a little bit better than, than Joe Barlow. Um, and I, one such guy we should talk about is Matt Barnes. Yeah. Um, I mean, the strikeout rate is incredible, but the control just is terrible. <laughs> you know, it's always <laughs> yeah. a wild roller coaster ride with Matt Barnes. Uh, I mean, he was one of the best closers in the game for like the first four months of last season, and then he just completely imploded in August. And um, it was all about the walk rate. They just came back with a vengeance, and after, you know, because he had always had problems with walks his whole career before last season, and then it suddenly wasn't an issue for four months and then it came back. So, you know, he's back to being their closer apparently heading into the season, but uh, it's just, it's going to be a bumpy ride. So what I like to do is if I'm going to draft Matt Barnes, I also want to draft Garrett Whitlock because I think Mm. if Barnes stumbles, Whitlock will be the guy and it won't cost a lot to get him. So, uh, and I think Whitlock will, you know, he's a pretty good pitcher. So I think he can provide, useful like ratios and K's and stuff like that while you're using him as a handcuff. So it's like you can actually use him, not just like stash him on your bench, you know? So mm-hmm. I kind of like the idea of just drafting both of those guys together and that, and locking down that Boston uh, ninth inning. Yeah. A lot of people had Whitlock higher than Barnes. And I think he was kind of the presumed like closer for a little while. And at least through the off season, people thought he might get a shot, but then it looked like they're, you know, they're, lengthening him out a little bit in spring training so that's gone I, I have I have Barnes up here at 21 um so I'm, I'm right up here kind of in the same area as you uh I think I had him last year as well and so I, I was a part of that roller coaster he is he does have that great strikeout stuff but yeah he's a little wild I think if he holds the role you know all year and and we don't see Whitlock or Brazier or some of these guys come in um you know he has good upside to be kind of a top 10 or 12 closer if he can hang on to it. Um, Yeah, he was like top five last year for most of the season, you know? Right. 
And then, yeah. you know, after Barnes, I have a handful of other guys. I think, did you mention Lou Trevino in your tier here? I did, yeah. I have yeah. him at 20. I have him, uh, and I also have Gregory Soto and Andrew Kittredge. So, you know, this is where I'm getting into some guys. I mean, Trevino doesn't have a great strikeout rate. I mean, especially when you look at the other closers, who we, you know, guys we've talked about. But, you know, he got the job done 22 times last year, so that says something. Um, the A's, though, I mean, they've been trading away everyone. I don't know how many, how many they're, they're, they're still talking about trading away Sean Manea and uh, even Frankie Montas. So, like, they just seem to be, like, in fire sale mode and total rebuild. So, you know, maybe he will be the closer all year, but I don't know how much that's going to mean. But I rank him, like, as my 24th guy. If he is a closer, then that's fine with me. And Kittredge, you know, talking about the Rays, it's going to be a full-blown committee. They're going to have a ton of guys get saves, but I think he could get you 10 to 15, and he will not destroy your ratios. I think he's a good pitcher. The Rays do really well, just kind of like the Giants, the East Coast Giants. We've talked about them with batters and pitchers and everything. I think he's a good guy that you can draft here kind of in the 23 to 25 range and be as you're kind of piecing together saves uh, after you get one or two guys. Maybe you can get him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. I have him at 24. And I actually might move him up a little bit more now that uh, Pete Fairbanks is going to miss some time. And I think mm-hmm. they're talking about months that he's going to miss. So oh. uh, that's not to say that Kittredge is going to be the closer. I mean, the, the <laughs> no. Rays will not use a closer. <laughs> like, that's just not <laughs> something that happens with this team. But um, I do think if you had to bet on like who is going to lead the team in saves, I do think Kittredge would probably be at the top of that list and he's a pretty good pitcher last year he actually finished as the top 12 reliever even though he only saved eight games and it's because he got nine yeah. wins so you know i i don't think like i don't think that's something we're going to expect to happen again but it does show you i mean being on a good team and pitching in high leverage situations like you can get some wins you know because you're mm-hmm. going to be pitching in tie games uh when your team's down a run things like that so uh, you know, it's it's a good situation to be in, even though he's not the clear closer. So I could move him up a little. Um, Trevino, I have a twenty. I I'm with you. Like the the lack of strikeouts, but also the high amount of walks. Like I mean, his strikeout to walk ratio last year, I think, was like barely two to one, which is pretty gross. So that's a little concerning. But you know, he still managed to post a three eighteen ERA and and like you said, twenty two saves. So. Um, and there's not much competition there in Oakland. Uh, if there was, they would have traded them probably. Yeah, so, they're all gone. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I would. I'm sure they would love to ship him at the trade deadline to somebody, but right. Um, they may not be able to do that. I mean, if he's the closer up until July and he does really well in the role, then somebody might be willing to give them something small for him. But no one's no contender is going to be trading for Lou Trevino to be their closer. You know, it's like they might be trading him for him to be a setup man if he if he pitches well as the closer for for Oakland. But um, but yeah, I, either way, it's you know I, he's a serviceable closer for now, and you just kind of see what happens with it. Um, yeah, and like by the by the trade deadline, I mean if Trevino is still like your closer. I mean, and one of your top two, and we're talking about him here in like the mid twenties. That's that's great. I mean, a lot of these guys we're talking about are not going to be closers, or if they are shipped off, they are going to be in a different role. Like he will. There's there's a lot of guys who we're gonna who we're talking about or have talked about already who probably are going to lose that role. So just wanted to yeah. <laughs> throw that out there. He yeah. could easily be one of them. 
Yeah, and Soto, you mentioned also. He, I'm a yeah. little bit low on him. I have him at 23. Uh, okay. I just, I mean, I do think he has the role for now, but I just don't trust him at all. I, I mean, he's had a, a, a walks per nine over five for three years in a row. And that's just like playing with fire, you know. Last year <laughs> yeah. he managed to do a 3.39 ERA, but I, I just, I think that he's gonna hurt your whip a lot, and more importantly, it's just increasing the risk that he implodes and and loses that job. I could definitely see Michael Fulmer taking over that that job from him fairly early in the season uh, if yep. he just doesn't improve his command. Um, so yep. there's like a couple guys that I like better than him that aren't full-time closers but i just think they're good they're better pitchers uh and that's david bednar with the pirates and paul seawald with the mariners i i just like the skills with these guys um bednar you know put up a 223 era 0.97 whip and 11.42 k per nine um you know he's gonna split save chances with chris stratton Mm -hmm. uh like he did last year that's already that's already been announced by uh shelton their manager um so and it's the pirates so there's not going to be a ton of saves to go around anyway uh but i think he'll i think he can probably get like 10 saves or something you know low double digit saves with really good peripherals and i'll take that as like the 20th reliever you know um and then seawald actually uh you know he's going to be sharing the closer role with drew steckenrider but uh he his strikeout rate is incredible. I mean, fourteen point four seven K per nine last year was number one among pitchers who threw at least sixty innings. Uh, so if he gets like ten saves, that's just gravy. I mean, the the strikeouts is the thing that uh, that I want to roster Seawall for first and foremost. Yeah, you mentioned Drew Steckenrider. I mean, Ken Giles has begun you know a throwing pr- program all year, and he's recovering from Tommy John. Uh, so like, I don't know, he's. He he's now you know pretty far removed. I feel like he could end up being the favorite uh, here to uh, to get all the. I mean, I would I, I would still draft Seawald a couple spots higher than Ken Giles, but I think I would draft Giles above Steckenrider. So I don't know. Maybe it's just a little bit muddy here. Here we are at the end of end of March, but I would keep an eye on Ken Giles as well. I actually ranked him higher than Steckenrider. I don't know where you ranked those three if if you even ranked all three. Uh, I I mean really. As of right now, Seawald's the only one that I'm planning to draft. So yeah. I have Stuck and Rider down at 48, and I don't, I don't have Giles in my rankings. Um, but, you know, if he's actually I, – I did hear that he was, like, starting to throw. I don't know if that means he's going to be on the opening day roster, though. So it just kind of depends what his status is, I guess. I, I, I agree with you, though, if he is back and looking healthy, that I would definitely put him ahead of Stuck and Rider. Um you know, I think at this stage, I'm. This is where I'm really not that focused on saves anymore. I just want <laughs> good pitchers. So, like, rather than take dicey pitchers who might have the role, like mm-hmm. I would, I would prioritize like these really strong setup men um, that we've been talking about, like Daniel Hudson, Devin Williams, Craig Kimbrell, like Andrew Kittredge. Like, you know, I would, I would take those guys over um, someone like, say, you know. Uh, Alex Colomay with the with the Rockies or something, you know what I mean? Or even like some of these guys who might get saves, like you know Tate, Tanner Rainey with the Nationals, or yeah, or um, Kyle Finnegan, Dylan Floro. What's that? I said, or Kyle Finnegan with the Nationals. I think it's kind of up in the air who will be the closer there, right? 
Well, I think actually um, uh, Dave Martinez, their manager, said that he would love for Rainey to be the closer. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> so, there you go. so he kind of showed his hand a little bit there. Um, but Rainey has just been incredibly erratic his entire career. So so is Finnegan. I mean, I don't I don't really trust either. Those guys both have big problems with walks. So um and it's gonna be a bad team too. So it's a pretty gross situation to be honest. Here well, who do you... in our nation's capital. Yeah, who do you like for the uh, for the? Do you have a, do you have a Marlins pitcher anywhere in here? I've got a I've got a couple Marlins here in my top uh, forty actually. Well, so uh, the guy I would go with now is Anthony Bender. Um, mm-hmm. He was good last season: two seventy nine ERA, one hundred six WHIP, ten point four two K per nine. And I thought he was going to be the setup guy to Dylan Floro, but Floro's been complaining of arm soreness lately. Mm. So. That's not good. Nope. <laughs> so I think Bender. I, I think Bender might get a chance just by default because of that. And I also just think he's a better pitcher than Floro. So, um, so I think he's a little bit intriguing. I have him at twenty-eight. Yeah, I think it's important to really pay attention here in the next couple weeks um, or next week, I should say, because you know if you're got if you're drafting a guy like this, um, like Bender, who's going to start the season as the closer, that's that's pretty important, right? Because he's got the first crack at it. I mean, like. He could just get the get the job, get a couple saves, you know. Manager's like, all right, we'll stick with this. And if the other guy, the guy who they maybe thought was going to do it, is is hurt anyway, um, I think I saw, I think I saw Lucas Sims was dealing with an injury, and he's like the, yeah. the Reds' potential closer. So these guys, I mean, someone else is going to potentially start the season in that role. Role we haven't talked about a Reds' closer yet either. Yeah, so I I think the two guys to look at there would be Hunter Strickland or Art Warren. And certainly the one I'm being more excited about would be Art Warren. Um, I think Strickland might be the one that would be more likely to get save chances, though, uh, just because he has that quote-unquote closer experience. Um, And, you know, uh, Strickland's not bad. I mean, he actually posted some decent numbers last year, 261 ERA, 116 whip. 8.9 8.9 K per nine. It, it's not bad. I just, mm-hmm. I don't know if he can quite match that again. Um, but you know, I have those two guys back to back because Warren is the one who's got the elite bat missing ability that he showed, uh, in triple a. And then he continued that last year with Cincinnati. So I, I think he'd be a pretty exciting option if he found his way into the saves picture. I just, I would guess that Strickland is probably ahead of him in line. So, we're jumping around a lot here now that we're into kind of the 30s and stuff. But I wanted Might to as ask well, you, right? I know. I wanted to go back to, you know, talking about guys like Kimbrell, Devin Williams, Will Smith. I uh, forget who else, you know, we kind of mentioned in the same breath there. But um, I would say like, Whitlock, I guess, um, James Karinchak with the uh, in, with the Guardians, yeah. and then Will Smith as well, who, you, you know, you were talking about at the top of the show. I think those yeah. guys are all really strong options. And we talked a little bit about strategy at the top of the show. I wanted to maybe ask you, like, I kind of said, I'm good with two or three closers, and I'm fine if you want to take one or two of these guys as well because they're good setup men. They might get you a win here and there. They'll get get strikeouts, good ratios, that kind of thing. I think it's important to to roster those guys, and it depends on how many bench spots you have and things like that too, you know, how many rookies or injured guys you might draft. Lots of things. Curious how many relief pitchers you think you typically would roster for, like, the typical leagues you're in. Yeah, again, that's such a format-dependent question. So, like like I said, my favorite format is uh, innings cap, usually about, like, 1,350 innings is what we do. Yeah. 
and then um, you'll have like two starting pitching spots, two relief pitching spots, and four just pitcher spots. Mm-hmm. And it's a daily lineups league, um, so you can you can rotate guys through. So I love in that format to have some of these really strong middle relievers uh, who put up if they if they have like a great K rate and like really low ERA and WHIP. I'll just I won't mind rostering two of those two or even three of those guys, especially if they're like the direct handcuff to a closer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's like sneaky valuable. So uh, and like you said, the wins is another thing because yeah, they're, they may not put up huge win totals, but they're if they're only pitching seventy innings, like if they win like four or five games, <laughs> that's a lot of wins for seventy. You know, it's not it's not yeah. bad anyway. It's 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 like twelve. It, you know, at least twelve to 15 wins over a 200 inning pace. So, um, so that's sneaky valuable too. Um, you know, Andrew Kittredge is just kind of the example of that. Cause he was, like I said, a top 12 reliever last season, even though he only had eight saves. Um, and it's, it's, he's not the only one. I mean, um, there's, there's, there's other relievers too. I'm trying to see who are Chad green was the 15th most valuable clo- uh, reliever last year. Yeah. Um, you know, Paul Seawald was 16th. Um, Tyler Rogers was 18th. Um, so, you know, Jonathan Loisigo was in the top 24. It's, uh, you know, Blake Trinan was too, even though he wasn't the closer most of the year. So, uh, so these guys will sneak up there in value. Um, so I don't mind rostering those guys at all. Uh, especially if you don't have a ton of those closers and you want to, have these guys that are next in line anyway. It's just a, it's just one more reason to roster them. Yeah. I was just, you mentioned Daniel Hudson again, and I just wanted to bring him up and I think I might need to move him up because I, Blake Trinan was kind of asked about his role and he, how he, he answered kind of talking about how he likes to come in and pitch in the eighth and stuff. Of course, we'll see how he's used, but I really just kind of feel like with Kenley Jansen gone and we've seen Hudson get some saves before and be in that role that unless Trinan just, I mean, we've seen Trinan, like you, you mentioned in Oakland, uh, he was good there, but I don't know. I just had this sneaking suspicion that Daniel Hudson might end up getting ten to fifteen saves. Um, so I might, I might be bumping him up a little bit. And I was just jumping around trying to look at some of the other closer roles. We haven't talked about Padres. You know, Pierce Johnson. Yeah. Um, they signed Robert Suarez from, uh, I believe, was it Japan? I think he was in the Japanese mm-hmm. league, and so mm-hmm. they brought him in. He was a closer there. He could end up, you know, getting the role. Some people are speculating that like Denilson Lamette might be in that role so like we'll see Emilio Pagan they've got Emilio some good, Pagan yeah yeah they've got some good uh guys in that bullpen um who's gonna get the role I think it'll be interesting to see over the next week or so if they declare someone or we just kind of get some hints as to who's gonna get that role because that's a good pitcher's park they have a good lineup even though Tatis is on the shelf for a bit but I'm, I'm curious to see who emerges there and I might draft like a Robert Suarez in my last round just to see if maybe he gets, mm-hmm. he gets the role and then just drop him yeah, after a week no. or two if he doesn't. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I could see it. I could see a scenario where any of those guys vaults into the top fifteen closers relatively quickly. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, because it does seem like Jace Tingler. He he said he'd like to have a set closer, which is more than a lot of managers say. I mean, <laughs> right. a lot of managers just say they don't want to have a set closer. You know, so so the fact that he aspires to have one is promising i just i think it's very murky um it might be one of those situations where like you have to wait a month or two for one guy to emerge you know it might not be Mm -hmm. 
at the beginning of the season. Like there just might not be one guy that's clearly stood out enough to, to merit getting named that guy. So it might just be a second half of the season kind of a thing where, where that, that Padres pitcher is super valuable, but all of these guys are intriguing. I mean, I, you know, Denilson Lamette is very intriguing. I mean, yeah. he's had so many injuries and, you know, I do think being a reliever is probably the best bet for him staying healthy compared to being a starter. So, uh, you know, we'll have to see if he can, if he can pull that off. Um, Suarez, anytime you've got, you know, someone coming from overseas, you don't know exactly what to expect, but early reports are, are very intriguing. And then Pagan has been kind of an underrated pitcher, I think for a long time. So he's a guy yeah. I've always kind of had my eye on. Um, so yeah, there's lots of options there. We'll have to see, but you're right. It's a good situation. So uh, that's one that merits uh, being watched pretty closely. I think the only one that I'm just scrolling through the teams, the only one I think that probably doesn't merit much discussion is the Cubs. And I don't know that you're going to want to draft like a Rowan Wick, David Robertson. Um, they signed Michael Gibbons, who was an Orioles closer, probably the last Orioles closer to actually get some saves. You know, um, I don't know who's going to emerge there, or if you even want them. So I don't know if you if you ranked any guys in the from the Cubs. And I mean, they have Chris Martin too. You know, Chris Martin kind of factored in in the past with the Braves from Coldplay, the, the singer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, he's, he's gonna fix. Baseball. He's gonna fix you. Oh, yeah. there we go. Um, nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh fix your bullpen. Um but yeah, no, I I do have Rowan Wick at uh 29. So, I have okay. him like right around Anthony Bender. I I think they're I think it's kind of a similar situation. Like I yeah. I think Wick is probably going to head into the season as the leader of the pack. Um but they do have a lot of other options. Manuel Rodriguez is another one. I I do David Robertson to me seems like the main threat to Wick. I think Wick starts out as the guy, but if he, if he stumbles, I, I don't think it would take much for them to turn to Robinson Robertson. Uh, so uh, he would probably be the next one I would look at there, but it's, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's not a great team, not a lot of clarity. So, uh, you know, not one, not one you're going to prioritize particularly highly. Uh, and I do agree with you, by the way, about Daniel Hudson. I think I'm going to move him up too. I, um, he does, you know, it was, Back in, in Washington, he always seemed to find his way into the ninth inning. So why not have yeah. that happen again in L.A.? Why not? I mean, that's just, you know, just you want to get a piece of that Dodgers team. And if, I mean, he's going to be a cheap way to get it. Like, Trinan, yeah, probably the guy. I'm just going to, I'm, I'm trying to find here where, let's see where Dan, I bet Daniel Hudson is going so like Yeah, I mean, he's on un, he's undrafted. I'm having a hard time finding him here. Uh, is he? Yeah, I would definitely eight? draft him. Yeah, he's he's uh, the eighty second relief pitcher being drafted. ADP of four seventy nine. So like, <laughs> that's crazy. I mean, you're getting him for free. Yeah. I would absolutely yeah. save him for my last round and and pick him and see just see how it goes in April. Yeah, and if you are in one of those leagues where you want to stash these middle relievers who could find their way into saves eventually, um, there's a lot of there's just a lot of good options. You know, we mentioned Devin Williams, Craig Kimbrell. Uh, Garrett Whitlock, James Karinchak. I, I mean, just remember that like going into last season, people thought Karinchak was the better bet to be the closer for Cleveland. So that that could switch, you know. And that's why I did yeah. have Class A in like a lower tier than that top four because I just I could see a scenario where they do make that switch. I mean, Karinchak has prototypical closer stuff if he can just show the command, you know. Yeah. Um. 
Will Smith, yeah, like you said, I mean, I think he's a, a, just a player that should be rostered, really. Uh, those Yankees we mentioned briefly, Loisaga and Chad Green. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I would say Loisaga is probably next in line for saves if Chapman stumbles, but Green is, you know, the better overall pitcher. He puts up <laughs> really awesome K rate and great ratios every single year. So, uh, you know, I feel like he's one of these, he's one of those players that I find myself always adding him when I have roster space. And then <laughs> when I, when I have to make room for somebody else, I, he's the guy that gets dropped cause he's replaceable. But yeah, um, it's sort of like, he's sort of like taking your medicine, you know, or like eating your <laughs> broccoli. It's like, you don't always, prioritize it but when you do it makes you healthier <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i feel you um I, yeah just to point out real quick too there are some um some other starting pitchers as relief pitchers just not won't won't get into them but just touching on cal uh, quantrill uh drew rasmussen nestor you were talking about the yankees nestor cortez jr as a relief pitcher so if you are in a points league there's some other guys who have that rp eligibility aaron ashby jesus lazardo so just some other names uh who at least on my first uh, look here you could also draft and plug into that rp spot cool and then i think the one team we haven't really touched on much other than me saying like steer clear is the rockies <laughs> oh yeah uh, that's right yeah so it, it was widely assumed that alex colome was going to be the closer there but mm-hmm. apparently they they have not settled on a closer yet um but the way that team is typically run they do tend to have one set closer and not a committee so I would expect it to be column A still, but um, I think the bottom line is I just if I can possibly avoid investing in that bullpen, that's what I want to do, you know. And column A is honestly the last one. I mean, Estevez or Bard, at least at times, have looked good, <laughs> but uh, you know, column A is like a pitch to contact kind of a guy, and that seems like the worst possible ballpark to <laughs> have that approach. It just seems like a really bad fit to me um so uh, you know i i would try to get my saves before i have to resort to uh drafting alex column yeah don't really want to draft pitchers at course field as a nice little rule of thumb there (laughs) (laughs) yep exactly um and then you know there the list goes on i mean ian kennedy i think has been a really good closer when given the opportunity so you know it does seem like melanson has a fair amount of uh leash in Arizona, but, yeah. uh, and Kennedy has actually said like, he's fine with being the setup guy to Melanson. So, uh, he's not pushing for the role or anything, but you know, Melanson's old. So maybe he doesn't lose the job because of performance, but he could because of injury, uh, in which case Kennedy could be suddenly a very appealing option. I mean, he is to me the clear handcuff there at least. Yeah. And he's 37 as uh, well. So they would just swap out one old guy for another plug them right in yep 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 <laughs> it's like it's like lance lynn and charlie morton all over again um they might even they might even have throw him in as a starter though you know he started for i'm just looking at uh, talking about kennedy oh, yeah. it's like about 10 yeah. years so if they need him to you know draw him out as a starter they probably could do that too i guess they could it's hard it's kind of hard to switch back and forth in season but you never know <laughs> um i do like those mets guys seth lugo trevor may if if diaz is erratic and struggles those are names you're immediately going to want to consider adding i think both of them because it's not exactly clear who would get the chance uh jake diekman is a good is a pretty good pitcher with boston i you know if they do actually stretch whitlock out to more of like a swingman role or something like that then maybe diekman becomes the uh, the next in line behind uh barnes so that's something to keep an eye on 
Hector Neris isn't dead yet. He's in Houston. <laughs> you never know. I mean, I Presley is a, a reliever I have a lot of faith in, but closers just you you never fully know. So yep. maybe we see there's a Hector Neris sighting uh, in Houston. It's always possible. These are some good watch list guys, though. They really are. I mean, yep. I always yep. whenever I'm I play in Yahoo and like I always have that watch list for closers always. I'm sure you probably you got do too, to. right in that closer report. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Diego Castillo with yeah. Seattle. I mean, he's he's got closer experience with Tampa, so you could always see him uh, end up taking the role in Seattle. Uh, yep. Since they don't have a clear cut guy, uh, Tyler Duffy with Minnesota, I'd say is is the direct backup to to Taylor Rogers. So, uh, you know, he's he's worth watch listing for that reason, and then Tyler Rogers. With San Francisco, I mean, he's seemed to find his way into some save chances, every, you know, most seasons. So, why, you know, could definitely happen again. So many Rogers is, is. <laughs> all T Rogers is too. <laughs> I know Trevor Tyler and Tyler uh, Trevor Tyler and uh, Taylor Taylor. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> triple threat. All right, well, I'm about tapped out on relief pitchers. That's that's oh, that's me my too, list. Man. I'm spent. Well, we'll have to do this all over again in a week when everything's changed. But <laughs> that's right. I know. Do another podcast on relief pitchers. <laughs> yeah, right. We'll we'll have a we'll have a two hour relief pitcher chat every week. No, <laughs> we won't do that to you. I, no. <laughs> but uh, thank you all so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed all of our position previews. This concludes the rest of season rankings podcast preview position preview series. Uh, we will be doing a. If you're into fantasy football, we'll be doing a, a fantasy football pod on Friday night, uh, breaking down all of the crazy news that has gone on over the last month in the NFL. Uh, so that that will be coming up soon, and then we'll jump right back into baseball again next week with opening day around the corner. Uh, we may have some bold predictions, uh, talk about some ranking differences that uh, exist between Bard and myself. Uh, those rankings will be up at rosrankings.com uh, before the end of this week uh, to help you with your draft. Uh, so please do check that out. You can follow me on Twitter at Andrew underscore Seifter. And you can follow me on Twitter at Barton Wheeler. We appreciate everyone listening to the podcast. If you like the show, please follow, subscribe, rate, review. We are out of here. We gone. You've been listening to the Rest of Season Rankings Podcast. Go to www.rosrankings.com for more.